Baobulb.org is a podcasting platform and a medium for storytelling. This podcast is also available on all the major podcasting apps, including Apple and Google Podcasts. Podcast your life with Baobulb.org. Good day, brothers and sisters in the faith. In the continuing time of the COVID pandemic and the need to take every precaution by avoiding exposure, especially with the latest surge, our church premises will remain closed for July. Accordingly, I welcome you to our podcast this Sunday. I hope our time of worship will be meaningful and of value. Further, a notice that Reverend Heidi will be taking some leave during the first two weeks of July. For our call to worship, we read these words from the prophet Micah. He has told you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to show kindness and to walk humbly with your God. Our hymn for today is Rock of Ages, Cleft for Me. Rock of Ages, Cleft for Me. Let me hide myself in thee. Let the water and the blood from thy river inside which flow be a sin the double cure. Save me from this guilt and prayer and this will end with the Lord's Prayer and I invite you to join with me at that stage as we say together the beautiful and meaningful words taught by our Lord Jesus. 
Let us pray. Father, as we draw together in this podcast, we have both joy and sadness. We are joyful because by drawing away from the routine of life, from our circular activities, we have the opportunity of finding refreshment for our bodies and souls. But there is also sadness because there is much in our lives and especially in the events of the past week that make us less than acceptable in your sight. Thank you, our God, that we have the assurance that you will never turn away from us. It is in that assurance that we can come and bow our heads before your holy presence, even now, recognizing that you still love us with a love that will not let us go. So we pray, Father, that as we gather in virtual worship and by this time of meditation, our souls may be rekindled and be at rest. We know, Lord, that our lives are made full, not in creeds and design statements of faith, but in you and you alone. For many of us listening to this podcast, we approach you because we are worn and weary with the burdens of life. We are tired of having to face the continuing corona pandemic. We ask for your grace and mercy by providing a respite from these strains in our lives. We do not seek rest from mental and manual labor. The rest we long and pray for is deeper than struggle and toil. It is a longing for the satisfying rest that settles our soul, an inner rest that is the reward of those who bring their desires into harmony with your purpose and commit themselves to doing your will. Let that inner rest and peace come as we pray together in your presence today. Others of us have come to this worship as we are doubtless restless because we have wandered far from you. Deceived by the glamour of cheap joys, many have tried to satisfy themselves with the husks of life. But there is still a deeper hunger for the very bread that you alone can give. Ashamed and homesick, like the prodigal son, we feel a deep longing for your presence. Give us courage to come back and arise in your presence, Father, as we echo the psalmist in asking, Make me content to abide within the shelter of your grace and love and to live within your law. Indeed, Lord, as we reflect upon our lives, we know that there is much that we need to confess to you. And this we do now as we place before your throne the sins and omissions that weigh heavily upon us now. And we thank you, Lord, for your grace of forgiveness in the proof that we have of your amazing love that while we were still sinners, that Jesus Christ died for us. And whether our pathways through the coming week lead us beside still waters or through dark valleys of disappointments and difficulties, give us the ability to keep our hearts and minds on you because we have the assurance that even though we walk through the darkest valley, we fear no evil for you are with us. Your rod and your staff, they comfort us. All this we pray in and through the name of Jesus Christ, our Saviour, who taught us to pray together thus. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive our trespasses 
as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. For our Bible reading, we turn to the Gospel of Luke, reading from chapter 6 and verses 17 to 26. Jesus came down with them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea, Jerusalem and the coast of Tyre and Sidon. They had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases and those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured and all in the crowd were trying to touch him for power came out from him and he healed them all. Then he looked up at his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you, revile you and defame you on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for surely your reward is great in heaven, for that is what their ancestors did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will warn, mourn and weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you, for that is what their ancestors did to the false prophets. Thus far, may God bless to us this reading from his word, and to his name be all the majesty and praise, both now and forevermore. Amen. Let us pray. May the Lord now be in all our hearts and upon my lips, that every thought and word may be holy for the honour and glory of his name. In Jesus' name we pray this. I have chosen the title for this meditation as Plain Talk. It best describes what I want to discuss this morning. Firstly, let us see if we can grasp the moment and aspects of the setting of how Luke describes the situation of that event in Jesus' ministry, which has become known as the Beatitudes. They have become known as Jesus' most treasured sayings and teachings. Beatitudes is derived from a Latin word which means the blesseds and refers to the way these sayings begin. The blessings are translated from the Greek word makolol, which is a word of acclamation. Some Greek scholars say it should be translated into English as congratulations. But no matter what their preface is, these blessings from the Lord are alive with divine power, sufficient to cause them to become reality. And Jesus' first years knew that better than we do, as the power of the spoken word to either curse or bless was important in the Jewish mindset. So we see that in the sixth chapter of Luke's Gospel, Jesus' ministry then begins to teach. Jesus outlines what it means to be followers of his and which we now call 
Christians, for us today we have a guide from our Lord about what it means to live as a Christian in this kind of world. After months and months of restricted living in a COVID pandemic, which has resulted in a very different life reality, I believe we can well profit from a refreshing relook at Jesus' counseling. Up to this point, through the first five Lucan Gospel chapters, Jesus really had not taught anything. In fact, up to now, he had hardly said anything. It had all been action and very little dialogue. Jesus had healed the sick, and he had sparred verbally with the Pharisees. He had called the disciples and attracted crowds that were getting larger every time he performed a miracle. The multitudes were now following him from place to place. So we see that even in those times, it was a humanistic feature to see that crowds always gravitate towards the sensational. But now we are in the sixth chapter, and Jesus goes up the mountain with his newly recruited disciples, and then he comes down from that mountain. Interestingly, there is a difference between the Gospels of Matthew and Luke. In Matthew, Jesus goes up the mountain and takes the disciples with him. He instructs them on the mountain. In Luke, Jesus is depicted as bringing them down to the plain, to the crowds, to where the people are. Importantly, the Lucan text says there were people there who had diseases, and he healed them all. Jesus had been doing that from the very beginning of his ministry. That is why the crowds are there. This is why they follow him around. This is an important feature of how Jesus deals with the crowds that followed him and how Jesus deals with us even now. One of the greater features of Christianity is that, as depicted in these verses, our Lord does not just reign in heaven, far removed from his people. No, Jesus comes down to where the people are and heals people in their own context and situation. You do not have to go seeking the Lord physically as the Greeks believed was necessary as they went to where their gods were reputed to live. Your prayers are enough. And the good news is that Jesus answers these prayers by coming down to you in whatever situation you find yourself. In fact, there is no situation in which you may find yourself in life that you need fear that Jesus will not come to you, whatever the circumstance that has brought you to realize that you need your Savior. No matter what the level of our Christian belief, we can be assured that Jesus is always prepared to come to you. Remember those great words that Jesus is always standing at the door and knocking. It's just up to you to open your hearts to Jesus. But to get back to our Gospel reading, and today I want to underline a feature of Luke's account that may have escaped your notice. I know I had read this passage many times before and only in later readings I had realized its importance. In reading this portion of Luke's Gospel carefully, and it is really a feature of all the Gospel accounts, there are two kinds of people featured in Jesus' ministry. There is the crowd, and there are the disciples. The crowd Jesus heals. 
He doesn't ask anything of them. Out of compassion, he sees their sickness and he heals them. And then they go away. We never hear of those people again. They have no names. They are the suffering in this world. Jesus touches them and heals them. But it is in the gospel settings of the disciples that we find no mention that Jesus ever healed them. Perhaps on occasion a family member, but not his disciples. Nor did the gospel account show Jesus particularly expressing any compassion towards them. There are no special comfortable words uttered to them. There is a strange contrast in that Jesus heals the crowds, but all he offers to his disciples are challenges into service. What I would like you to think about is how the text indicates that when Jesus finished healing the crowds, and Luke takes stress that Jesus turned away from the crowds, and in verse 20 wrote, Then he looked up at his disciples and said, Thus Jesus was not talking to the crowd now. Jesus was speaking to his disciples, saying, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. What I feel needs emphasis today is that the Beatitudes were the subjects of Jesus' teaching to his disciples. It was not to the crowds that had come for healing. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you and exclude you and defame you on account of me. Jesus is addressing these to his disciples. It is important that we understand what Jesus is doing. Jesus comes down to the valley plain, to where the people are, and Jesus demonstrates what God's will is for the whole world. What he's doing is giving us, as his disciples, a foretaste of the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, there will be no more disease like the current COVID pandemic, no more pain, no more sorrow. Life will be whole. Life will be the way God created it to be. Later, Jesus will raise Jairus' daughter from the dead and the centurion slave from the dead to show that it is even God's will that we should not experience death, that we will overcome death. That is the point that Paul was making to the, in the epistle lesson to the Corinthians, that the death of the earthly body is but an aspect of our following of Christ as it leads to our future participation in Christ's resurrection. Jürgen Moltmann, a great theologian, wrote that hope is one of the wonderful aspects of Christianity. The hope of Christianity is that someday life as Christ's disciples will be the way it is supposed to be. What you have just seen Jesus tells his disciples is the way it will be when the kingdom comes. So it was a natural consequence that he would then teach them, his disciples, then and us, who are his disciples now, that we should pray, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, Jesus was saying to his disciples that we should pray that one day it will happen, that our prayers are a petition that the kingdom of God will come in the right time, in God's time. But in the meantime, it is not that way yet. In the meantime, Jesus tells his disciples that he has come to identify with the poor, 
the hungry, and with those who weep, to be with them and to stand with them, and to let them know that they are God's children. This is what Jesus came to the world for, and what we as his church are in this world for. And this is what we should bear in mind amid the suffering and sickness and death and fear that is with us during the current COVID infection that has and is still stalking the world. You know what the most significant part of this text is? It says that Jesus came down from the mountain to be with the people and brought his disciples down from that mountain with him. Jesus, in outlining the Beatitude, is instructing his disciples at this point in the Bible text. Jesus is stressing that this is where Christianity is at work. This is where the followers of Jesus, you and me, are supposed to be. We are to be where the people are, not on a mountaintop. Christianity is fundamentally a different religion from most of the world's other religions. Christianity is not a mountaintop religion. Many of the other religions profess a nirvana now in this life. Others a religion of only good works. It is always tempting to make Christianity that way. Down through the ages, and especially since the Enlightenment period, there are many who have come to regard Jesus as a guru, a wise man, and that his teachings are just inspirational thoughts. And in that way of thinking, Christianity is seen as just another one of the philosophies about life, giving us inspiring ideals. But there is nothing in our Gospel accounts that indicated that Jesus said that or was that type of person. Jesus was often shown by the Gospel writers as going off by himself to pray. But, and this is shown in our Gospel reading from Luke, that when it was necessary to give instructions to his disciples, he came down from the mountain to be in the real world. It was in this real world that Jesus said, Blessed are you who are poor and who are hungry, and whose lives are filled with pain and with sorrow. I see Jesus as emphasizing that someday those things are going to change. But there are some things that cannot be changed now. Someday they will. Someday the world is going to be the way it was supposed to be. Someday. It was this someday that we can describe Christianity in terms of a religion that gives hope. In the meantime, however, Christians are to live in the real world, not some ideal state, and certainly not to draw ourselves away from the world in some sort of monastic state of existence. Christians are to identify with the poor. What does that mean? It means that one cannot be a Christian and store up wealth for the future and ignore those people who have nothing in the present. One cannot be a Christian who dies dines sumptuously every day, and who is not concerned about those who are hungry. One cannot be a Christian and laugh and have a good time and not care that there are people in this world, especially children, who have never smiled. You see, there was never anything in Jesus' teaching like, blessed are those who succeed in all they undertake, or blessed are those who are perfect, who defy every expression of weakness, whose relationships are always successful, who never have financial difficulties, who always display a stiff upper lip. Down through the ages, it has been seen that on too many occasions, 
a fault of the church is that it let itself buy into an admiration of a kind of struggle-free, trouble-free person. Some such churches preach of a prosperity theology. The truth is that Jesus had little to do with the up-and-coming folk of his day, those who seemed and wanted to appear struggle-free. It was not that Jesus disliked them, but because they felt they had no need of Jesus, and thus they wanted nothing to do with him. Jesus had nothing against the rich and famous, as if their influence and financial situations placed them out of the reach of his love. Jesus' complaint against them as a group was that they trusted in their possessions and their positions more than they trusted in God. In fact, their bottom line, to use a business term, was that they loved what they had more than they loved the God who had given them life. What Jesus was telling us in the Beatitudes is that someday life is going to be different. And in the meantime, we do well to listen to what the prophet Jeremiah put so well. Blessed are those who trust in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. They shall be like a tree planted by the water, sending its roots by the stream. It shall not fear when heat comes, and its leaves shall stay green. In the year of drought, it is not anxious and does not cease to bear fruit. Amen. Let us pray. O God, our Father, help us to recall and live by the great truths you taught your disciples in the Beatitudes. Help us not to live a life that is never any further on. Help us to learn from experience and not to make the same mistakes over and over again. Help us not to go on allowing the same temptations to conquer us and the same faults to spoil life for ourselves and for others. Help us always to look upwards and always to look onwards that our lives may become more nearly what you wish us to be. Father, give us diligence in learning that more and more we may store our minds with the knowledge that you so graciously teach us that we can use for our fellow people and for you. Give us discipline in living, that each day our character may become stronger and more reliable. Give us strength of mind in deciding, that when we have chosen the right course, nothing may deflect us from it, and that we may always be able to refuse any invitation to take any other way. Give us loyalty and friendship, that we may never fail or be untrue to those who trust us. Give us fidelity and love, that we may never bring sorrow or heartbreak to those who love us. And grant that from now on, we may live in the presence and walk in the footsteps of Jesus our Lord. We also pray for your blessing upon the church. Give it guidance as it seeks to bring restless people back to their moorings, from which they have drifted. Give your church guidance, compassion, forgiveness, and a love to accomplish your purpose. Create through the church a fellowship that cannot be broken, a longing that will never give up on anyone, and an attractiveness that will exemplify Christ. And in this closing period of worship, we pray for those that we know who have special needs, those named on our monthly and weekly bulletins. We ask, Father, that you heal those who are sick, comfort those who are sad, be with the lonely, cheer the disappointment, bless and keep those who are far from home. Loving you, God, your desire is for our wholeness and well-being. 
We hold in tenderness and prayer the collective suffering of our world at this time of the COVID pandemic. We grieve precious lives lost and vulnerable lives threatened. We ache for ourselves and our neighbours, standing before an uncertain future, especially in the dire economic situations faced by so many because of the pandemic. We pray your love, not fear, will go viral. Inspire our government to move swiftly in bringing about vaccinations. Discern and choose wisely how to keep our people safe, align with the common good. Help us to practice social distancing and to reveal to us new and creative ways to come together in spirit and in solidarity. Especially we know you are our God who does not abandon. Indeed, we have your faithful presence in everything. And fathers, God, we as brothers and sisters in the faith of St. Barnabas United Church, pray for Reverend Heidi and Carol Ann and Aidan as they mourn the loss of Denzel, husband and father. We pray that you will comfort them by your blessed presence and that each passing day will be a strengthening in their living and with Denzel always being a continuing and beautiful and lasting memory. All this we pray in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. As our closing benediction, we have these words from the Apostle Paul to the Ephesian Church. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the Church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Spudcaster podcast. Don't forget to like, share and subscribe.